you know, when it comes to holidays around here, I think most of you know my my feelings about that uh, is that it's Christmas every day. Christ came every day, that I have salvation every day, that Easter is every day, that Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again every day in my life. And so I get that we recognize Christmas Day, and uh, but it doesn't really change the message that comes from this stage right here. So uh, the best you're probably going to get is those guys singing about Christmas up here. Although today, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is talking about gifts. How appropriate, right? It's talking about gifts, that you have been given gifts. So uh, let's remember where we left off a couple weeks ago. Matt was talking about public worship, about covering your heads, also about submission. Uh, Matt, you did a great job with the whole submission, and I totally agree with you. Um, And then last week we talked about the, the Lord's Supper practicing the Lord's Supper when everybody came together and how they were mismanaging that by just pigging out and chowing down before the people who were poor got there and they didn't have any food to eat. And if that's the case, you need to eat before you come. It's basically what Paul said. So now he's getting into public worship still, these next few chapters, And today he's talking about more division. There's more division that is occurring among the group, the church in Corinth. And so he begins to talk about the spiritual gifts, and we pick up uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question, remember they had questions that they sent to Paul via some messengers, and this whole letter is him answering their questions. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I'm getting a popping. Do I need to do anything? I hate the handheld. They're going to like try to make it work. You're going to edit all this out, right, Jim? (laughs) I have the best team. I'll talk about them here in just a second, actually. Uh, Can I continue or? All right, good. So he's talking about having these spiritual gifts. We've each been given these special abilities, these gifts. Some of your translations will say, some will say special abilities. But he's describing here the difference between believers and non-believers. Non-believers will say that they have gifts, but they really have been worshiping idols and not necessarily the God that we're talking about. So believers, he said, if you want to know what a believer is, the believers, they're not going to curse Jesus, all right? But if they're a non-believer, they won't ever say Jesus is Lord. That's how you know the difference between those who have gifts from God and those who don't. Paul wants to make it very clear from the outset that simply because something appears 
to be a manifestation from the Spirit of God? It's not necessarily so. It all depends if they're believers or not believers. One has to observe it. One has to test it. One has to evaluate it. And then they can make their assessment. Sounds pretty strenuous, doesn't it? I think it's honestly, you're going to know those who are walking by the Spirit and those who are walking by their flesh. I think you'll see it clear. The more you know about Christ, the more you understand those two things, walking by the Spirit and walking by the flesh. It's an important foundational reminder that one's pretty much fundamental allegiance must be seen to be known, to know to be of Jesus. Verse 4 says this, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. You probably didn't catch that right there. But did you see that God, that Paul spoke of the Trinity right there? Let me read it again. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. The same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but they serve the same Lord, being Jesus. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. Three times, Paul can say there's diverse gifts, but one Lord, one God, and one Spirit all the same. Verse 7, it says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each others. Uh, So here's the reason for the gifts. The reason for the gifts that are given to us as believers is to benefit the church as a whole and as individuals. We're all part of the body, so God has gifted us so that we can be encouragers and help and do things for one another. They are get watch this, they are gifts that are given by God and even directed by God. Spiritual gifts are really for the common good of the church. They're not necessarily for individual enjoyment, but they are definitely for the corporate body. Verse 2 it says this or excuse me, verse 8 says this. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. You've heard me say it in here many times. There is a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is book or experience smart. You know people that are book smart, right? but they don't necessarily have a lot of wisdom. They're two different things. Wisdom comes from God and is used for applying knowledge to life situations. Knowledge is something you can attain on your own. Wisdom is something that you attain from God. They're absolutely two different things. Verse 9, it says, The same Spirit gives great faith to another. I need to explain real quick 
that there are two kinds of faith. First of all, there's the faith that when you come to the recognition that you are a sinner, you're a sinner at one point, you have a sinful nature, and that you can't, you can't have this relationship with God that at some point you have to literally say, I need help. Lord, I need help. I need you to save me. That's salvation faith. That faith right there comes from you. It's you making the decision, I need help. After that, the whole faith thing changes. Faith then comes from God. Faith that comes from God to, watch this, to believe in Him more. To trust Him more. You guys say, I just wish I could trust. I wish I could trust God more. Well, quit trying. Because that trust, that faith comes from Him. If you want more faith, if you want more trust, ask him for it. I believe that he is the giver of faith. You have salvation faith, which I've experienced. Yes, Lord, I need you to save me. Now I live in his faith. Lord, give me enough faith. It's where we trust for the unknown, for the unseen, and when all that comes into play. He says this, And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. There's an interesting difference of these two gifts from the rest of the list that they're not the kind of thing that people necessarily have as ongoing abilities or responsibilities, but require the spirit's choice to work in a particular moment in a way that he doesn't necessarily do in every single instance. You ask the question, Rusty, do you believe in healing and miracles? Absolutely I do. Absolutely I do. I've seen it. I've seen massive tumors disappear, yet the hole from where the tumor was was still there when they went in to remove it. I didn't see it. That's what the doctor said. But I know the situation personally. I've seen people told that they would never, ever walk again. And they walked. I've seen marriages that had divorce papers written, and they were completely healed, and celebrate their marriage today. People were told that they were going to die. And they live far beyond the predictions or the expectations. I've seen emotional wounds and scars healed. I'm praying for an absolute miracle for a friend of mine in Tulsa named Randy. Who's in the hospital right now with COVID. Fighting for his life. I'm praying for faith. I'm praying for trust. Lord, heal my friend Randy. I believe in healing. I believe in miracles. Paul continues and he says, another ability, another, the ability to prophesy. 
He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. What I'm doing right now is I'm prophesying. You're sitting there and go, well, I thought that's talking about the future, talking about, well, we kind of are talking about the future, but really this is speaking a word that comes from God. If this is me, if this is me teaching you, you guys are in trouble. I literally spend my time, week, pouring over this text, this message, God, what is it that I'm supposed to say here? And Lord, when I actually get up there, I've got my notes and everything. I'm well prepared, but I ask that you speak through me. It's spontaneous at times. You've seen that. But I believe that God gives... You know, when I came into ministry uh, years ago, I never wanted to be in this spot right here. I never wanted to teach. I just wanted to be behind the scenes and play the games with the kids and organize and administrate. And I always had everybody else do the speaking for me. And you know what the difference was? Is that I had grown up in church and I had been taught one way. I'd been really taught religion. I love, you know, my my mom, my Sunday school teachers, my college, my seminary. I, I love those people, but I really learned religion. I learned how to play the church game. I learned how to be a minister. And then uh, it came to the point where I understood my identity in Christ. And once I understood my identity in Christ, it changed everything that I did. It changed the way that I talked to people, the way I related to my family, the way I taught the scripture. And then I really had something to teach. And then I wanted to be able to teach. I wanted to sit here. I didn't want to do the games. I didn't want to do the the church thing. It, It totally changed. And so then... Here I am sitting up here teaching the Word of God, and you out there have to ask the question, is this from the Lord, or is this human manufactured, or something worse? You have to ask that. You have to discern that. Then Paul continues, he says, still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. Oh, here we go. While another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It's the most problematic gift of the Corinth church is speaking in tongues. And so he perhaps deliberately waits and puts this at the end of the list. Let me explain to you what tongues is by definition. It's a Greek word that again has very broad semantic range and can mean everything from the literal part of one's anatomy fit in one's mouth to any human utterance in some linguistic configuration, known or unknown, or a collection of syllables that God uses to provide meaning to someone in a particular context. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oral Roberts University, Church on the Rock, Church on the Move. I grew up in the charismatic capital of the whole world. I was Southern Baptist. Southern Baptists and Charismatics didn't like mingle together. Like talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about speaking in tongues and everything else, we didn't ever hear about it. We, because it's a difficult situation. It's problematic. It's problematic for the church in Corinth. And Paul talks about this issue later. So I will too.
<laughs> Verse 11. It is one, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So let me say this, no spiritual gift, not one single spiritual gift was intended for every believer to have. Like you can't go through this list, and this is just a short list right here, and then expect one of these gifts for everyone to have. Nor uh, any Christian context that claims that believers have to have a certain one or a certain combination of the gifts, either to be saved or even simply to reflect a certain level of Christian maturity is totally missing what Paul's saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They're totally missing it. Verse 12, he says this. It says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. In this very room, we could be divided in many ways. We have Fisher's people, we have Carmel people, we have Indianapolis people, we have West, we, we, we go on and on and on. We have children, we have teens, we have adults, we have senior adults. We have wealthy, we have median income, we have poor in here. We have Hoosier-born people. We have transplants in here. We have former Catholics, former Baptists, former Methodists. You can go through the whole list. We have men and women. We have Republicans and Democrats. We have conservatives and liberals in here. There's so many ways to divide this group right here. So many ways. But Paul is saying we have one unifying factor. In this room, we have one unifying factor, and it better be Jesus. We have been baptized into one body. Remember what baptism means. It means that you identify with the teaching, you're the disciple of this follower. I have been baptized, you have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the one thing that we have in common. Now watch this. The baptism of the Spirit occurs at conversion when the Spirit enters the believing sinner. He takes out your old heart, puts in a new heart, makes you a new creation. You no longer have a sinful nature even though you still sin. It's not baptism that does that. It's not baptism. It's just simply your belief. All baptism is is an obedience to the Scripture, to the Father, and it says, go and be baptized so people will hear that your life has been changed. All believers have experienced this once-for-all baptism, most likely. Nowhere does the Scripture command us to seek a second baptism. It doesn't. You can look it up. Because we've already experienced it, and it need not be repeated. So this whole thing is like, you hear people say they need to be baptized in the Spirit. I was baptized in the Spirit the moment that I believed. The Spirit came and lived within me right here. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in your mortal bodies. But the unifier thing, 
I've been a part of ministries where they fought for unity. And when you are divided into groups, older, younger, wealthier, poor, whatever, your expectations are different. But we have to fight for the unity of the group. We have to fight. We have to stay united. But what if the fact is in this very room, we just keep our eyes on Jesus. If we just keep our eyes on Jesus, and then the byproduct of all of us in this room keeping our eyes on Jesus causes us to be unified. I'll take that any day. Verse 14, he says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. I love this. This is fun stuff. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body, but because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. <laughs> you know, Paul was hardly the first person in history of the world to liken a community of people to the members of a body. The Roman world. The armies were often thought to be like body, every individual soldier needing to work together under the various commanding officer themselves. But think about this again. Think about the diversity in this room right here. I can look at each face in this room right here and think about the capabilities in this room right here. It's vast. But what if we all did the same thing? <laughs> what if we all did the exact same thing? What, what if we were all alike? How boring that would be. But that's not the way it works, Paul says right here. We seek many people in this room for wisdom. We lean on each other in times of need. We share with one another what is ours. That's the beauty of being one body, yet being diverse. Verse 20 says this, Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. <laughs> He's talking about your private parts. He says, So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it, and if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. <laughs> I can just see 
Paul sitting around writing this letter. Oh, oh, this is really cool. Think about this for a second. <laughs> Let's talk about it, private parts. All right, Paul. But here's where I'm going to go with this. We refer to these three letters, POS, all the time around here. For some of you, it means one thing. For others, it means sometimes for the teenagers or my, my own children in the house, they say that it means pastor over shoulder or parent, parent over shoulder. Uh, but for those in this room, we refer to it as the power of sin. And here's how the power of sin works that Paul talks about in Romans. If I just explained to you that my sinful nature was removed and I have a new heart, I think differently. I respond differently. But sometimes I still have some pretty bad thoughts. But if I have a new heart and I'm a new creation, how in the world am I creating those thoughts? I'm not. Paul says there's this power of sin that dwells in our flesh. And he's constantly feeding my head with just bad, terrible thoughts. And this is really what Paul's saying. If you're sitting here in this body, he begins to work here. Well, one person is more important than the other. Matt gets up here and does prayer time. I'm not important as Matt. Huh. Not true. Let me say this. It's easy. It's easy for me to get recognition over my wife. But if you really knew the ministry that she does, she probably works harder than I do. I get it all the time. I'm, I get it. I'm the lead guy. I sit up here. I teach. I'm the public. But if you actually knew what Michelle does to minister to people, uh, she's probably the one that should get more recognition than I do. And then, he, 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 she's not here today. Obviously, during the pandemic, uh, she's been less present on Sundays. I get it. It still hasn't changed her importance to the body. Hasn't. You know, uh, Luke, you're a loud personality. (laughs) Everyone knows Luke. Yeah. Everyone knows Luke. He's a role model in the community. Yeah, let him smile. It's the truth. Everybody knows Luke and, you know, Matt and Keith. Others of you have been up here to teach and they're often recognized from the stage. They're recognized as leaders in the group. Uh, But what about uh, my team that gets up here an hour before you guys do every Sunday? We walk in here today and this place is chaos and what do we do? You know, Big John and Jim David, Danny DeSalvo, Bogdan Callen, David and his two boys, Seth, Ethan, Ron, all I, I can sit here and go on this whole list. What about the what about the ones that remain afterwards and Push chairs. 
you are just as important as the people who are loud and on stage. Now, I see you every week pushing chairs. I see it. I, I don't see a lot of it because I'm out there passing out candy. And, but the, the fact that it happens right here, Wanda Pontius, one of our senior adult ladies who hasn't been here since the whole pandemic thing, usually sat right back there. One of the most important parts of the body of Leavener, because I know she's at home praying for us. Would do anything for anybody at any time. I could sit here and go through this whole room. And just because you're not up here. Not because you're, you're not. There's people in this body that do incredible ministry. And the crazy thing is. I don't even know half the stuff that happens. I don't. Not even half. That's the way he's saying, you're all important. Don't let the power of sin tell you that you're not important. You are. Verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. Then he begins to list them. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. And then he goes through a list of rhetorical questions here. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we ha- all have the gift of healing? I I miss Eli Cox. Ron, I don't know if you're in here still, but Eli, when he was younger, and I would sit here and ask these rhetorical questions, he would answer out loud. I don't know if you remember those days, but it was awesome. You would, he'd like, yes, yes, no, and everybody just, he's not here. Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. He, he's asking questions pretty much like I do. Because he's wanting you to think, he's wanting you to process what he's saying. The roles inside the body are important. All of them. We're not going to know everything that happens in this ministry. But each of you are important to this body. How so? (laughs) Don't ask me. Ask the Spirit. He knows exactly how important each of you are. (laughs) I promise you, I promise you. I could say this is the announcement, but it's not. Uh, I'm not going to do any spiritual gift test here. And then start assigning people to ministry responsibilities. It's not going to happen here. If you want to know, okay, what part of the ministry am I going to do here at Levner? What do I have to do? I'm telling you this. Just go do what the Spirit leads you to do. And you'll figure it out. Just go do it. 
And I promise you, if you tell me that you have a great idea for the ministry, I guarantee you I'm going to say this to you. Well, it sounds like the Spirit is leading you to do this ministry. Don't put your Spirit-led thoughts on me. He's giving you those thoughts. And then we close with the last verse. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. This is the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which means next week is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is known as what? The love chapter. He says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. I don't know if we can pull this off. But yesterday, did you see the IU Hoosiers beat Wisconsin? One person saw it. But the the kicker, I was sitting there, and after the game, I'm watching the interview. You know how the on-field commentator comes on, and they stick the mic in front of the coach's face. Well, now they have like these long-distance things set up. But they interviewed Tom Allen after the game, and it was like no interview I've ever seen in my life. After all these sports games, how many of you saw this interview? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah, it was, I like, Michelle, you've got to watch this, and I rewound it. We're going to see if uh, we can pull this off here today. Oh, we don't have audio. It looks good. Do we not have it? If we don't have audio, here's what's happening. The the lady is sitting there asking him questions. But every one of the players, every one of the players is coming up and entering or or interrupting this interview. Which never happens. You see, players don't interrupt the coaches when they're interviewing national television. These guys all came up and said, Ooh, I heard something. This is the best coach. We love our coach. Let him recruit you. Every one of them was coming up and saying, He's the best. You know why? Because he loves us. He teaches us L-E-O. And she says, We know that you teach L-E-O, which means love each other love each other oh my gosh you've got to go home and and search this thing because it is beautiful testimony to coach tom allen the way that he loves his players and the way that they respected him and loved him back was a beautiful thing and paul's saying the best is but now let me show you a way of life that's the best of all l e o love each other next week. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, gifting us, that you have gifted each one in this room with one, two, three, four multiple gifts. And may we understand what they are and may we use them in this body so that you may be glorified rather than ourselves. May you be glorified. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.